This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Fun show coming up today. Jason Gerwin from The Streamable. He's been on before, once before, kind of at the start of the podcast back in February, March, somewhere in there. We're going to talk about uh, your viewing options this season for the Timberwolves and the Wild in particular. Just got done with the baseball season when a lot of Twins fans who are streaming service customers, you know, YouTube TV, Hulu, um, Sling, places like that, couldn't watch the Twins because Bally Sports North isn't on those channels. Where are we with that? Is there any hope in sight, or do you need to recalibrate your expectations? Um, The message seems to be the latter, not the former, unfortunately, for those of you who still have those services. And uh, so we're going to kind of help you recalibrate. How how are you going to watch your favorite teams, the Wolves and the Wild, this year if you don't have access to them through Bally Sports nor through your typical streaming carriers? I'll also talk sports betting. Because that's connected to uh, connected to all this TV stuff in in a big time way. I wrote about it in Sunday's paper. Kind of where are we with legalizing it in Minnesota? More than half the states in the country now have some form of legalized sports betting. Where are we here in Minnesota? So um, I, I get into a lot of different things on that regard in the show a little bit later on. But first, what did I miss? Want to stick with TV? for a little bit as we're going to kind of have a theme here today. NHL on TNT sounds strange. Doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? You're used to the NBA being on TNT. That's been their big kind of property over the years. Dabbled in some other stuff. But, you know, these days it doesn't really matter so much what channel things are on. At least for me, you know, you go on you go on your TV. It's not like you're channel surfing quite like you used to. At least, like, that's not how I operate. You look at the, you know, you get a big menu of, what are the sports that are on right now? And so I found myself watching a little bit of NHL on TNT uh, Thursday night. Or, I'm sorry, Wednesday night. That was the debut of it. And, um, you know, something about TNT production that I've always liked whenever I've, I've whenever I've watched NBA games. They've got the studio shows down, and they, they try to have some of the crossover for that. On uh, on Wednesday's debut, I was watching the I was watching the Chicago uh, Colorado game, but the studio show beforehand they had Wayne Gretzky, um, pretty good player uh, in his own in his in his day, um, and they had Charles Barkley, a little crossover. It's kind of like you know like a Scooby Doo crossover event where you get to, you know Scooby Doo and the Jetsons or Scooby the Flintstones and the Jetsons, you know all the all the all the different uh, characters from different uh, studio shows. We had Charles Barkley and. Uh, and Wayne Gretzky, and Wayne Gretzky shooting pucks on Charles Barkley, trying to save them, putting on the goalie equipment in, uh, you know, in the studio, and so, you know, just think they they know how to have just the right amount of fun, but kind of create these moments with these studio shows. They kind of got that formula down, so I think that part of it is going to be good. And I think the production of the games themselves is good. Like they, they've got the NBA down, NHL is a little different, but. You know, whatever kind of technology they use, I just the the way a game on TNT looks, I have always liked. So I think I'm going to like the NHL on TNT. Now, reportedly, they paid 225 million dollars a year for kind of this secondary package. ESPN has the primary package. They paid about 400 million dollars for it. It's going to give the NHL a real boost, I think. You know, not that the games on NBC Sports were bad. Not that that was a, a bad thing for the league because they kind of got. You know, that was kind of the only one of the only things that channel had going for it. And so it kind of gave it an air of you know exclusivity. But I think being back on these two channels right now, especially ESPN 
and you know, in particular, I'm talking right now about TNT. It's just a it's a good, it's a good thing for hockey. It gives them a little bit of a boost. It gives them a uh, gives the NHL a a real firm footing among the uh, among the big you know the biggest sports in the country. So I'm looking forward to watching it more often, um, finding it more easily on my TV. And uh, I wonder if you guys are as well. The appliance industry is suffering from major delays with shortages on the horizon. The specialists at Warner Stelling have the area's best selection with thousands of appliances in stock for fast pickup or free delivery. Shop 10 Minnesota stores or at warnerstellion.com. I'd like to welcome back to Daily Delivery, Jason Gerwin um, from The Streamable. Jason was on maybe six, seven months ago or so, kind of at the start of the podcast. And we, we talked a lot at that point about streaming options kind of what's available on you know things like youtube tv hulu you know the live sports the regional sports channels had been removed not too long before that and people were wondering hey what what's the status if i have hulu if i have youtube tv can i am i going to be able to watch the twins i'm not able to watch the viking or i'm not able to watch the wild the timberwolves things like that at this point so here we are seven, eight months later, Jason, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a lot has changed, but I did want to have you back on now that we are back into NHL NBA season. The Wild starts Friday. The Timberwolves start next week. I've been getting a lot of questions from listeners, readers, like what's what's new, if anything? So maybe you can kind of give me maybe the, the, the lay of the land of, of where we are right now with you know what's available to people who, who have streaming services and who have you know even Dish and Satellite and things like that. Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, since the last time we talked for most games on, you know, Valley Sports North, not much has changed. So you're still only available or you're only able to get uh, those games with uh, DirecTV Stream, which when we last talked was called the AT&T TV, which is uh, about 85 bucks a month, but same, no RSN fee, no contract. So it's still, to me, a better alternative than what you might have have with cable. But, you know, Hulu Live hasn't brought it back. YouTube TV hasn't brought it back. Uh, Fubo TV, which, you know, at the time was probably the most likely candidate to bring it back, has added some RSNs. They added AT&T Sportsnet, Rocky Mountain Root Sports, but they haven't brought Valley Sports RSNs back. Um, so unfortunately, not has kind of changed, at least in the for the immediate near future for, you know, Wild and Wolves fans to watch games. So given that and given how long this has gone, do we is this more of a matter now of no longer waiting and now kind of managing expectations or you know shifting to alternatives? Or are we close enough at some point to like a standalone app that, that people shouldn't go diving into two-year commitments and things like that? So Chris Ripley, the CEO of Sinclair, has been talking for the last year about a direct-to-consumer streaming service. Yes. You know, as of right now, he says that he expects one to launch before the start of Major League Baseball season. I am, you know, a skeptic that that will actually happen. They said they were going to launch their TV Everywhere app, the Valley Sports app, in time for Major League Baseball season, and it came a month after that season started. Um, and unlike that, they need buy-in from a lot of people. They need buy-in from Major League Baseball, the NHL, NBA. They need buy-in from cable and satellite distributors who really don't have an incentive 
to give them the go-ahead. In fact, I think Major League Baseball at this point would be thrilled for Sinclair and their Diamond Sports RSN Valley Sports to uh, to go bankrupt and be able to take over those channels and do some direct-to-consumer streaming service. That's interesting because they have had some financial difficulty. I don't know if it's directly related to some of these negotiations or just the, the price they paid for these channels and things like that or the, the shifting landscape. But you know, is, is Sinclair, I mean, what, what do you think of, of that piece of it in Sinclair's kind of ability to kind of stay afloat while they're, you know, while they're waiting for this direct-to-consumer app to, to be something that could help them? Yeah, so we, we touched on this a little bit the last time. Like, I don't know how the economics of a direct-to-consumer streaming service works in the existing model for Sinclair, right? Like, you wrote an article earlier this year about twins ratings kind of dipping to almost 50,000 you know, households a game, right? At 50,000 households a game, you need to charge $66 a month for 12 months to make the same amount that you would uh, if, if it was on a cable plan. And look, no one's subscribing for 12 months of the year for, for baseball. And at eight months, that's like a hundred bucks. Um, you know, a month. So the economics doesn't really work out. And, you know, a lot of people have said, hey, can they make it up on advertising? You know, Sinclair's business right now, you know, only about eight to 10% of their revenue comes from the advertising on those channels versus, you know, the subscription revenue they get from cable distributors. Um, so, you know, obviously that could shift. Uh, and in their plans for directing consumer streaming service, they do show that's a shift. And they obviously are hopeful that something like sports betting, um, they can offset that as well. And this will kind of be lead gen for that. And maybe it doesn't matter uh, about charging as much for it. So like, you know, earlier this summer, they, they went to investors to try to raise money for uh, a direct-to-consumer streaming service. And in that pitch, they said, hey, we're going to charge about 20 bucks a month for this service. Um, Ripley has said that, no, that's not the right number, but he also put that in front of investors. So who knows? Um, but even at 20 bucks a month, it kind of seems for a single channel, I don't know that they're going to be able to get the uptake that, that they think. So, you know, and they're, they're kind of stuck between, you know, a rock and a hard place right now with, uh, with this. The sports gambling piece is an interesting one. And I'm actually got more of that coming up later on in this show. And I wrote about it rather extensively in last Sunday's Star Tribune, just kind of where Minnesota is with that. And a lot of states are onboarding that. More than half of states now have some form of legalized sports betting. Now it's more robust in some markets than others. You know, some places like Iowa, Indiana have, you know, just a lot of different books operating, people going there and placing big bets, trying to, you know, play the system, get these big bonuses, things like that. It's, it's very widespread and other states like Minnesota don't have it yet and might not have it, you know, might not have it ever. Although, you know, people who I've talked to think, you know, two or three years is probably a, a reasonable timetable for, for that to come on here. So that's, I guess the problem with the sports betting is it's not uniform, right? Different, you know, if one RSN in Minnesota might have a different model than one in Iowa because it's legal one place and not legal the other place. So how do you kind of balance the, balance any kind of fair deal to try to try to recoup all that money from sports gambling if some of them aren't going to be able to take advantage of that 
Yeah, it's one of the, it's certainly a challenge, and maybe in a market like in uh, in Minnesota, they just say, "Hey, we're going to eat the cost for a couple years and just you know take the bet that you know sports betting is coming." You see that pun right there? I did. I was um, good. That's you're you're good at this. Um, uh, and they just hope that you know enough people come on board over the next couple of years that it makes it you know easy for them to uh, to transfer transfer them to gamblers once it's available. Now you did when we were talking before the start of the segment, just kind of uh, off uh, off air, so to speak. You uh, you mentioned there's maybe some reasonably good news for wild fans, at least some different ways to watch the wild this year, particularly if you're outside of the market. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. So this season probably has had the biggest change in media partners for the NHL in you know over 15 years. You know, previously the games, at least nationally televised games, were on NBC and NBC Sports Network. They signed new deals in the offseason that um, games will be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and uh, TNT. Um, and on top of that, if you live outside of the local area, um, their NHL TV out of market package is now available as part of the $7 a month base subscription of ESPN Plus. So, you know, if you want to catch a ton of games that if you live in you know Minnesota and you want to watch every other NHL team, you can almost watch every game on ESPN Plus for seven bucks a month. And if you're outside of that, you know, the Minnesota area, you'll be able to watch wild games. Um, with that as well. The one other thing to note is there are 75 exclusive nationally televised games on ESPN Plus, which will also be available to Hulu um, basic and live subscribers. And the wild, I think the number between the two of those um, end games on TNT, there are about 13 games um, that will be available on that. So at least if you subscribe to something like Hulu Live TV, you'll get about 13 games this season, which obviously isn't the full schedule. It's not, you know, the full 82 games that, you know, you would get if you signed up for, for something like DirecTV Stream and then added ESPN Plus for the nationally televised games on there. But, you know, at least it gives you some of the, the games that you wouldn't have gotten before. It's going to be weird for me to watch hockey on TNT. It's just always been such a basketball channel. So it's just going to be a recalibrating, though sometimes it doesn't really matter. You just turn on your TV now and it's like, it just tells you what's on. Doesn't necessarily, you don't flip through channels like you used to. At least I don't anyway, anything different for the NBA this year, Wolves fans. It feels like that's maybe going to be a bigger challenge, especially for in-market viewers. Yeah. So from an in-market perspective, there hasn't really been any changes for NBA fans. The one major change to this year is NBA League Pass, which is the out-of-market package. The base plans haven't changed um, changed pricing at all. I believe it's about 150 bucks a season, but they did drop the price of the NBA TV add-on, which used to be 60 bucks, which was expensive for just getting a couple extra games because those were are blacked out with NBA League Pass. This year it's 30 bucks, so you'll save a little bit of money if you want to add NBA TV to NBA League Pass. So let's finish with this. What's the bottom line if you're a, a diehard Wolves fan or a diehard Wild fan living in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you, you want to watch every game? Are you? Is it basically? Are we back to either signing up for you know the the eighty five dollar a month you know, Direct TV, what used to be AT and T, or or going with one of the one of the bigger carriers? Is that still kind of your your option? 
Yeah. For in, in terms of legal options, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the move. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there are a lot of people and this is the other challenge for these leagues and these RSNs. I'm sure people are going to find alternative ways to watch the games, but in terms of legal options with DVR and all those capabilities, it's really direct TV stream or, or going back to cable or, uh, or direct TV satellite. What's your sense of how big the illegal streaming industry is? I, maybe that's a subject that's a little bit off topic for, for here, but I do know people are, are doing it. I'm not doing it, but some other people are. And it's, you know, I don't think there's so much of a, a there's not much of a legal liability of the people watching. It's more the people running the streams, right? Yeah. So um, I would say the the easiest way to see what, what growth is there is, um, is M- MLB TV uh, basically said that this year they had 10.5 billion minutes of viewing which was uh, uh, about 39% up from their previous record of, in 2019. And obviously some of that is growth of people watching it out of market. But I think there are a lot of people who are using that service and trying to figure out a way to use a VPN to appear outside that market. And I think there's a lot of growth that happened this year because people couldn't get uh, things like Hulu Live and YouTube TV. So they you know, looked for, for other ways to get it too. Well, we'll see what the future holds. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, this has been happening long enough that I, I don't think we're going to hold our breath waiting for it to come back. It's more a matter of waiting for what comes next, I would imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think like if I was going to, uh, you know, predict what's going to happen next year, if they do launch a DTC product, I think it's going to be a subset of games like, uh, Amazon Prime Video does for Yankees games in market. Yes, Network is partially owned by Sinclair and Amazon, and they're streaming. They streamed about 20 games. I think if they're going to convince cable distributors, that's what's going to happen next year. And I think we're kind of at a, a longer term road to this switching completely to direct the consumer product. Good stuff, Jason Gerwin. Appreciate it. Read all of his coverage at the Streamable if you were interested in this subject. I will obviously be writing about this as well because it is near and dear to listener and readers' hearts and minds and sports viewing habits. But uh, Jason, be well, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks. Talk soon. A couple of things stand out from that conversation with Jason Gerwin, who does a great job of covering all this at the Streamable. Go check that out if you want more uh, more in-depth coverage of streaming services and how that pertains to what you might be able to watch. But like I said, a couple things stand out. One, the wild game on Friday, the season opener, is one of those that uh, is going to be only on streaming services. If you have Hulu, which I do actually, you you will be able to watch that game. If you watch uh, ESPN Plus, uh, you will be able to watch that game as well. But uh, you know, there's an additional cost for that, not available on any cable or satellite TV channel. So. Kind of everything is getting more fragmented right now, and I don't think that's going to change. And I think that's an interesting aspect of all of this. It kind of leads me to something else that I thought was interesting was uh, you know Jason talking about where we are with Major League Baseball. And after I talked to him, actually, Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, gave an interview to a uh, John Ourend at a uh, at a conference, um, kind of a panel discussion. John writes for Sports Business Journal and did a really nice job moderating it, and he wrote about it and. Uh, you know, basically, Rob Manfred saying they want to make things easier for fans to watch, not harder, and kind of some pointed comments about Sinclair, which owns, you know, controls basically half of you know the team's uh, 
team's TV rights with MLB, including the Twins, on Bally Sports North. So, you know, I want to read a couple of uh, of Manfred's comments because I'm hardly, I'm far from a Rob Manfred fan, but I thought some of what he said was interesting. Um, John asked Manfred if MLB's future is with Sinclair. Sinclair's the parent company that owns um, and runs all the Bally Sports North channels. He says, quote, our view of digital rights is that it's our future. It's something that the leagues and the clubs should control. Now, he didn't say that necessarily is, you know, something that MLB wants to run, but he did hint at, you know, it's not necessarily something that they're just going to give up at least and that Sinclair might not be their long-term solution. Another thing. Asked about Sinclair's claim that it is close to obtaining the necessary rights to launch a direct-to-consumer regional sports network service, Manfred said the accurate statement would be that Sinclair does not have enough digital rights from uh, from enough clubs in order to have a viable direct-to-consumer product. And I'm reading that directly from John Aaron's piece, and he quotes Manfred saying, quote, the other set of rights they've talked about a lot is gambling rights, and they don't have those either that gives me uh you know sinclair obviously like i said runs uh the bally sports north channels and their vision seems to be a direct consumer app that has a gambling component to it and that gives me a kind of a transition point here to to talk about sports gambling and just kind of the the future of of that now you know as leagues are getting more comfortable to say the least with sports betting and it sure sounds like it sure sounds like they want control over it in some capacity. That's going to set up an interesting battle um, as we, you know, as we talk about the notion of sports wagering. Something I wrote about in Sunday's paper and want to expand on a little bit more right now. Now, just to kind of recap, it's you know, sports betting right now is legal in some form in more than half the states in this country. Now, that's a result of a Supreme Court ruling in 2018. I wrote about where Minnesota fits in. It's not legal here. Though it could be, you know, within the next two to three years, and there's still some challenges persisting in legalizing it here. But, you know, I'm going to get to a lot of, you know, people already are doing it here and what that means. But I also want to run through some reader feedback, some some reader email, because we did ask for your feedback from that story that I wrote in Sunday's paper and on StarTribune.com. So here's a little bit of that and some context with that. Rochelle writes, I'm writing in regard to the question of sports betting. I feel strongly that Minnesota should allow sports betting. Numerous other states allow it at this time. Minnesota needs to start the legislative process. Sports betting would be regulated, and the taxes would be used for important projects in our state of Minnesota. Now, a counterpoint to that comes from John. He said, I would encourage you all to do a lot of homework before you start publishing dollar amounts. What people wager is an almost useless statistic. It fools people into believing that this is profit or that you tax that amount. What is taxed is only profit, which is only a fraction of revenue. Now, John is right in the regard. You know, New Jersey, with the largest sports betting market, brought in close to $50 million in tax revenue in 2020. That's a decent chunk of change that can pay for a lot of projects. Iowa, however, you know, which is probably more comparable to Minnesota than New Jersey would be, both in terms of population and the structure of how this would go, uh, they took in less than $2 million in tax revenue, state tax revenue in 2020. So as John notes, we're probably talking about a relatively small amount of tax money. Now, it's the teams, really, and the individuals who bet, and really the sports books that probably want this more than anybody else. And the teams and leagues, they know that gambling and a gambling audience is a more, I guess, dedicated audience. They're going to follow a sport more closely. 
You're going to watch longer on TV, enhancing ratings, driving up the price of TV contracts. I'll even share some of my own experience with that in just a minute. Now, sportsbooks see a wide-open market. Individuals who you know like to bet and are doing it in what they might call the shadows right now, whether it's offshore apps, bookies, driving to other states where it's legal, they want freedom. They want to be able to do it here. So they're the ones that are kind of driving this. Um, not so much, I would think, the state, because there's not a lot of tax revenue to gain unless you structure it in a certain way in the state. Rick says, I live just north of the Twin Cities and make the near two-hour trek to the Diamond Joe Casino a couple times a month. That's the one just across the Iowa border in northern Iowa. I don't trust my money in offshore accounts, so I don't mind taking the drive down to Iowa to place my wagers. I'm hoping Minnesota passes it in the next year or two, as there are many Minnesotans who either wager online or are taking the drive to a casino in a bordering state to make their wagers. And I think that's true. I, I don't think that's... I don't think that's wrong at all. I think people are driving to Iowa and even even beyond that, taking flights beyond that to, you know, to play legally and to take advantage of some of the market that has evolved right now. There's you know tons of sports books in Iowa, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them offering what they call risk-free bets, thousand dollars up to five thousand dollars, I believe at the, at the at Caesars for a single bet. You place that bet if you don't if you don't win. You get a casino credit of that amount. If you do, you know, a sportsbook credit of that amount. If you do win, you win the bet. And so it's essentially risk-free. Now, you know, risk-free, you know, there's some terms and conditions that apply. There's, you know, things that, that have to happen. But a lot of players are, you know, kind of taking advantage of multiple promotions, playing both sides of a bet, and walking away with, you know, a tidy little profit. I think that's happening for the more sophisticated players a lot of different places. Douglas Farmer uh, who was quoted in the story I wrote in Sunday's paper, says he does some of that, and he knows that everyone who wants to gamble on offshore apps is doing so. Now, in order to research this story, I was like, what are these offshore apps? What are we talking about here? So I got on a couple of them just to see what they're all about. Hadn't done that until I think it was like June or July when I was starting to get into this story that I I created a account on uh, on, on a couple of these a couple of these off- offshore apps. Probably the most popular one is Bovada. And... Let me just tell you, it's it's not hard. It's 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 a little complicated. It involves a semi-working knowledge of cryptocurrency because if you live in Minnesota, they're not going to let you just make a straight-up deposit through a uh, a regular means. But uh, if you use Bitcoin and it's not traceable, that's uh, that's kind of the loophole that I've I've discovered and that a lot of people have discovered in order to uh, to place those wagers. So. You know, you, you get on here and you just try to figure out, well, what's this all about? How how do my habits change is one of the things I wanted to know. So I get on there, you know, I make a series of very small wagers, $5, $10, just to kind of see how it feels to watch a game when you have some money on the line. And I'll tell you, you know, not that this is a surprise to anybody who's ever made a bet or a surprise to people who want this legalized, especially the sports books, especially the teams, but it absolutely changes my behavior. I didn't, you know, the last one I did was maybe a few weeks ago. It was a Monday Night Football game. Watched almost the whole game, even though I wasn't really interested in it, because I had five dollars on it. You know, it's it's like all of a sudden you have a stake in it, you are interested, in it, you are invested in it, and that's that's the real value to teams and in leagues. Are you watching TV longer? Are you driving up the prices of these TV contracts? Are you more invested in the product? And it certainly felt like that to me. That was how. That's how my my own kind of interaction with this has gone you know it's fun like if you can kind of manage it at a at a small scale don't risk anything absurd 
um, you know, then then it's fine. But you know, I do think some of these, you know, some of the, especially the dangers of mobile betting, which you know all these offshore apps do offer. You know, you can make bets from your phone. You can bet on just about anything, just about any time. And there's all this in-game wagering where you know it's prop bets. It's you know, it's not just you know who's going to win the game or what's the total points. There, you know, I looked at. Eagles versus Buccaneers Thursday night. There are 231 different bets on Bavada that you can make on that game, on that NFL game. And once the game starts, there'll be all sorts of different lines that appear because you're making in-game bets on what's going to happen based on what's happened already. You can bet on overseas basketball. I bet a dollar on whether a Russian table tennis match was going to end with an odd or even score. I just wanted to see what that felt like. Folks, it didn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to make an absurd wager like that. It feels funny, and if it, I just wanted to do it probably for the story more than anything, but like that that's the that's the level that you can get to with some of these things. You know, it's not you know, alternate spread, special parlays, specific margin of victories, odd or even on a football game, whether the final score is going to be odd or even. You can bet on all those things. Now, I'm not telling you to go do that. On the contrary, I'm just saying this is what's available. This is what you have to kind of be careful of because if you are, you know, into this kind of territory and, you know, you can imagine some of this will be possible, is possible certainly in other states where they have, you know, FanDuel or other other uh, uh, DraftKings, other places running these sports books that, that are offering some of these similar types of odds and wagers and things like that. Like, you know, once you get into the, the in-game multiple bets online, you can really, you know, develop a certain, uh, I guess, runaway attitude towards it if you think you are smarter than the house. And that's where I think some of the checks and balances have to come into place. So just speaking from personal experience, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I don't think it's wrong to want this to be legal here. I do think people are doing it anyway, and so bringing it out of the shadows isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying it's an interesting um, place that we are at with sports gambling right now and just, just the, the nature of everything right now, how fast it's booming, how much leagues have gotten involved with it how much people seem to be doing it and how much more comfortable they are with it. So much of it is just moving at a breakneck speed. Maybe I don't mind that Minnesota is being a little bit more cautious about it is probably my final takeaway. Let's finish with the cooler. You can, of course, bet on the WNBA as well. I wouldn't, though. It's uh, it's, it's pretty unpredictable. It's It's been a lot of fun in these playoffs so far. Chicago in the finals, they'd upset the the. The Lynx earlier on in the playoffs, they're playing Phoenix. Phoenix gets some revenge in uh, in the finals uh, last night, winning in overtime to even that series 1-1. My timeline was full of people reacting to big WNBA moments last night. I think that's pretty cool. I, I didn't watch a ton of that game. I wish I would have. I was kind of doing bedtimes when a lot of that was happening, but... Uh, it was. Uh, it sounded like it was a ton of drama. I've watched the highlights, a lot of back and forth in that game. Speaking of leagues going a lot more mainstream, I talked about the NHL at the beginning. WNBA finding a certain foothold in the last year or two that I don't know that it had previously, and it's pretty cool to see. You do love to see that. That will do it for today. Good stuff coming up on Friday. Mark Craig's NFL picks. Sarah McClellan will be on to preview the wild season. Yes, begins Friday night for the wild. That'll do it for me today. Back at it Friday, like I said. Thanks for joining me. I'm Michael Rand, and we'll see you again tomorrow.